Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. You see what we're talking about today, man. Todd <laughs> McFarlane's Spider-Man Artist Edition. But first, Jimmy and I are going to be doing some travels. Uh, today's Sunday. We're already at CXC in Columbus, Ohio. Today, selling you comics and signing comics and talking comics. So if you're there, say hi. I'm sure we're very personable to you, man. <laughs> Not tired at all. <laughs> And at uh, Baltimore Comic-Con at the end of the month, October 28th through 30th, Jimmy and I are going to be there. That was the genesis point for Cartoonist Kayfabe, where we hatched the idea uh, 2018. Um, October 22nd, Jimmy's going to be at the Jacksonville Public Library for a zine festival. It's going to be the man of honor there, man. So he'll be doing a talk on the dais, signing books, selling books, all that good stuff. It is Kayfabe-tober. These are your drawing prompts. They are pinned to our Instagrams and Twitters for easy access and uh, the work that has been coming in. Freaking amazing. We're going to be sharing as much of that stuff as possible on the channel. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make. And this is what we have out in the universe, man. Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design Monster and Madness. It's going to be getting that uh, that Treasury Edition treatment at the at the beginning of 2023. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, the Image Comics brand of Street Angel Comics, just got a new reprint in trade paperback form. And Red Room Trigger Warnings and Red Room The Antisocial Network are both on the stands as we speak. Thank you guys so much for supporting it the way you are. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Each book is self-contained, so feel no obligation to grab both. If you see the, the second book uh, first, scoop it up. It's complete. And if you dig it, grab another all that stuff out of the way Jimmy it always happens this way man where we finish a recording session long day the people in the chat room will who stick with us for that whole day are like man I need a Snickers bar <laughs> right now as we just ply through because we're professionals <laughs> but you head out and in heads in the mail guy with a big-ass box and that box this time contained Todd McFarlane's spider-man artist edition if we were to use old artist of edition nomenclature this would be this would be considered an artifact edition. I don't think you're going to be using that term anymore, but presumably people who uh, grab these things collect these things. And uh, the artist, the artifact edition implies scattered amount of stuff. Uh, the artist edition would imply complete pages. Think, think uh, the EC complete stories that were in artist edition format or uh, Daredevil uh, Born Again complete story with maybe a couple of Xeroxes here or there when I couldn't find the, the pages. Uh, this image is going to be in the uh, body of the book, so let's just uh, jump into things, man. You got to do the end papers right. Yeah, well done on these end papers for sure. It's wild to see McFarlane work at this size, and just like the cover, you can see multiple types of ink and tools on display here, like this kind of stuff. I assume that's a marker. Sure. Because it's faded quite a bit, it's discolored a little bit, and you can see it's a different texture than the rest of the ink. And uh, very thin ink. For our solid blacks, I'm, I'm guessing a Higgins or something you, common like that. You see, you see, you see him with the Higgins, man, uh, in some some of his uh, press press imagery. This kind of marker, uh, I used to think maybe he's, he's on the Sharpie tip, but I know how this stuff fades and it turns into a purple. So it might be some kind of you know pen tail brush pen or something. Yeah, felt felt tip pens being a part of comics going back to the 70s. So a lot of materials have come through in that part. Table of contents for what we're going to be looking at, starting with uh, Spider-Man 299. I'm glad to see that a lot of, like, like uh, I don't know, a little bit more than half of it is Amazing Spider-Man. Sure. That, that makes me happy. Wow, early stuff. 
Yeah, you could see just the barest glimmers of Todd McFarlane in here. And, and the, the parts on his splash page that, that ring as McFarlane, to me, are the, the, the wonkiness. Like the boxy trucks, the harsh perspective. Uh, this is familiar to me from like the G.I. Joe yes. comics. But good poses here, man. This is, this is very McFarlane-ish. Super cartoony, too, like those eyes. Even that head shape. I mean, that is just an egg for a head. It is, yeah, totally. And uh, it looks like we're not really cutting in with too much white here uh, to give you the forms of the arms when it's black on black. It looks like it's just kind of drawn and uh, space is allowed for that. Look how tiny some of this stuff is. Definitely all pen. Bob McLeod on inks uh, on, this, uh, on this early stuff. Rick Parker on letters, a guy we've talked about quite a bit on this show. These pages much smaller. You guys at home notice the giant white margins around there. This is an 11 by 17 page, a pretty standard size page. Yeah, we... You can see the pre-ruled blue lines and stuff. Um, kind of fun because when he does the spawn stuff, when he first starts doing image, it's the same pre-roll. Like they haven't made their image pages yet. Yeah, yeah, dude. There's going to be a couple pieces here that are drawn on DC paper. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, dude, Chance. They were trying with that character, man. They were trying to sell us on that, dude. But he's too D'Artagnan. He's he's too Tyrone Power for 1990s kids. When you see stuff like this, and you see what McFarlane kind of grew into, where, where he where he plays value in his inking, you see like none of that is here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the difference. It's why we talk about these guys inking themselves, and why that's something I usually prefer. Yeah. Because you get so much of the drawing is in the ink stage. So to give that to somebody else, even an experienced inker, it's like, well, you're, you're not going to get the total McFarland experience of someone else's inking it. That's a gorgeous panel right there. Yeah, it's nice. Reminds me of Glimmer Man. And see, we're in, we're out. From now on, we're on the McFarland tip forevermore. That's excellent. Show us four pages of uh, non-McFarland inks, so we appreciate what we're going to see in the rest of the 155 pages here. It's so fun seeing it in black and white, too, because it, it does look like the best of... Aircell comics or, or just like black and white zine kind of imagery. Yeah, it always seems up. more um, lo-fi than mm. I expected to. Yeah. You know, there's something about putting this on newsprint with all the colored dots that adds a lot of density. Yeah. And when you see it like this, it is kind of stripped down. This is strange, this background. It's like stippling. Like, do you think he drew that and then pasted it in? Not at all. Not at all. I, what do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think this it, looks photocopied, but I don't know if that is. Yeah, I just don't see him taking the time to stipple that stuff, man. Yeah, I don't either. That would be a bad, a bad use of time. But I don't know what that effect is. Yeah. I wonder if there was a stippling option and like a halftone setting on old photocopiers. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But you could see that our guy is is totally pasted up here, and there he'll use that trick several times. Even a blown up halftone, maybe. That feels like a classic Wally Wood-ism. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too erratic. That doesn't look like half-tones, dots. Energetic you can get that poses. now. You can get that um, organic half-tone placement in the dots now. Yeah. I got it for the Hulk Treasury. Yeah, it's good. At least I requested it for the Hulk Treasury. Right. Right? That's powerful, man. And I liked that instinct with McFarlane to put, put a big image on, on every page. Uh, when I'm getting these comics, I'm starting to draw a lot more. And when I was going to Rite Aid, looking through comics, I was looking for stuff to draw from because I was in that stage of life where doing a lot of copying. So the more full body figures I saw, 
like I would gravitate toward those comics just so that I can draw these things in my notebook at school. Or I was young enough, man. It wasn't even notebooks. It was that composition pad that they would give once, once uh, per nine weeks or whatever. Check this out. Again, drawing with felt tip pen that is almost faded off the page. Right. Like for your edges of the pews and stuff. Yeah, that's wild. I dude. was looking at it. I'm like, is that pencil line that he didn't ink? It isn't. You know, that's a that's a marker line that just completely has disappeared. That lets you know. He must have been using a rollerball or a marker for his straight edges. Because mm -hmm. that's what those are. There was one on a church down there. Yeah. Yeah, and then he'll just use his 102. Yeah. Call your buddy up and, and uh, ink rubble. <laughs> Go talk to the L boys. <laughs> Look at that, dude. Eddie Brock is priest. I don't quite remember that. I had these issues, though, as a kid, man. Like, these things would get read to death and it wasn't even just by me it was by other kids at school and things you could see though there's that mike golden influence on the webs and the art adams influence on the webs but but he's he's being slow about it like like he's going to refine that a little bit more over time and it's actually it's not it's not conducive to uh efficiency to use a dip pen on that stuff because like you got to keep re reapplying man use that marker on that shit and you could just keep going all day yeah it's a wonder that these guys that did so much of the little pen noodling didn't go to rapidographs for it mm. even if you ran two or three rapidographs to get some variation in your line width so you'd, Terry be, you'd be would able do. to just go after it for long periods of time <laughs> we would have debates on the phone man <laughs> me and my homeboy about who who does the better venom or like i i grew out of the mcfarland camp pretty young and stuff i certainly went like like the Eric Larson Venom and shit was like, oh, that's that's the gold standard now, man. And we would be arguing on the phone. And that was back in the days of the corded phone. So, like, I had to, my, my pops was near. And when I put that phone down, the disappointment in his face and his voice and his actions toward me after I got off the phone debating McFarlane's Venom versus uh, Eric Larson's. I'll never forget it. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know what? Venom is such a good character as, like, a cartoon. And Larson did that. Yeah. Like everything was caricatured. So anything that lent itself to that, he did a very good version of. McFarlane talked about, like, I needed to get, I wanted to draw Spider-Man. Like, I needed to get my guy out of this black costume as soon as possible. Pretty smart. 88, man. That's first grade, baby. Fun cartooning. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, these weird proportions and stuff. Even just the gap in the teeth is a nice observed detail and when you do cartooning like there there are still rules to it so he's got good perspective on the teeth it, it feels feels rounded and here we go man spider-man back in the business suit try as he may man you ain't going to sell us too hard on silver sable <laughs> look at the weird shadow treatment on the spider-man traditional costume he's got to figure it out huh yeah and he hasn't figured it out yet and it becomes the thing where like there's still predominantly lots of blue but but uh, you start to think of, when you think of McFarlane Spider-Man, the adjective list, it's way more black than blue. Yeah, and we'll see that here. It's fun, when Larson does the Spider-Man run, at one point he's doing just black for that blue part of the costume. I love that. Yeah, Jay Lee would do that. I remember the corner box for the issues that he did. It's just pure black and red. Not bad at those Dutch angles, man. He knows, he knows when to use them. Yes, little bits of... Uh, of design on the pages, even the gutter being uneven there. 
and those background characters. So you're able to create some depth, you know, I'm mm -hmm. sure it's just for speed's sake, you, you use your micron pen or something, but it does create good depth. You use the heavy ink line on your focal points and just push your background characters to the background. Yeah. That's probably the best car McFarlane ever drew, which suggests that that's, <laughs> yeah, that a, that's a trace. Yeah, it looks right out of a car ad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no harm in that. That's the history of comics, man, copying cars out of newspaper 22 ads. pages a fucking month. And, who, and do, nobody's buying this book for the car. Do, do what you got to do. Get, get the work done. It's a good illustration in the sense of the car just isn't important. Like, mm -hmm. really, it's as fast as you can draw that car and get something satisfactory on the page. Dude, like, that's the shit that I love in that Bakuman manga where it's about making comics and, and the rule of the assistants. And I remember the assistant is like, do not even worry yourself about drawing cyclone fences. You have to, you have to put together... 17 pages of comics every week. I'll handle the fence and I'll handle those bushes in the park. <laughs> this always blows my mind. Like, look at the difference in your two pages. Yeah. Color wise. Like, so, somebody's got this thing sitting out on their desk and, and there's the fucking windows smoking. just coming right through. Yeah, absolutely, man. Pure UV exposure. It is funny. Like, he would talk about bringing modern fashions into MJ and, so, and it's like, what chicks in the 80s were even rocking that? Is that what Wanda was rocking on the day-to-day? -day? Look at that, dude, the Kayfabe Studios. Yes. <laughs> I also wonder, like, if some of these have other hands on them. Not officially as an inker, but, you know, the, McFarlane used to talk about people coming through and doing bits here and there. Would he? Yeah, sometimes it was publicly, you know, it'd be in the back of the Spider-Man page. It'd be thanking somebody for stopping in or helping out. And the image guys, you would hear a lot about it, like, it, uh conventions where yeah. it's like everybody just pitched in in a hotel room to get these pages done yeah it doesn't really spot so many blacks on the page so it's it's a little bit heavy to one side sometimes with the black placement that's surprising because i remember reading or hearing interviews of him talking about design mm -hmm. and like spotting blacks just to balance out pages so still yeah, early still early right trying to make the prowler cool this would be that thing too where he, where like he he wants to start writing because like who are the villains we're playing with? We're playing with these old ass dudes uh in you know wetsuits. We're playing with the prowler, we're playing with Silver Sable like let me let me do Green Goblin. Like let me do the lizard. That's numbered as 298. Mm. And we've seen issues in the 300s already. Do you, is this accurate? Is this like <laughs> one of his first issues? It wouldn't surprise me in some ways because we've seen that before and we've commented on that before. Yeah, it doesn't denote that it's out of uh, order, but yeah, the page certainly looks different. Yeah, this one does too, doesn't it? A little, a little more spare. They are cut so bizarre. Yeah. Like the stuff that I assume printers did this, but man, look at the cut. They're just butchering these pages. I'd be furious. Total swordsman, as uh, Jim Cornette would call him in. <laughs> Deft with the razor. Also, I think he kayfabes a lot of this kind of perspective. Even on the cover page, if you look at the lines that are coming out behind everybody, they don't go to a point. If you extended them all, the points are like all over here. I see. Because you can see it like right here is the best example where it's just he's eyeballing this. And that's instructive to me. Yeah. Because that's fine. what you're going for. It may look better than even if you had a point lined up. Like I've done that with perspective where it's like you have to fudge the perspective yeah. because accurate doesn't look right. Yeah. And I feel like this panel has some of that going on. I like seeing the grid laid out for his windows because as he goes on, the backgrounds in the city, the complexity of like buildings, scapes, and windows in the background always would blow my mind. Like, how do you do this? This would take me a month just to draw this background. 
and apparently it doesn't take him a month to do it so you get to see a little bit of that grid being laid out here and then he's just picking and choosing what he's going to ink in yeah which is kind of cool we've seen other people a lot of cartoonists do that look at the wall by that guy yeah right that's there. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's nearly the, the 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 bakshi cartoons that feels like he injured his right hand he just gotta finish <laughs> that page <laughs> using a little white for uh this broken construct wow there's good flow to this man you have this spider-man going this way and the physics on this prowler it feels good mm -hmm. thicker heavier hand than we're used to with him like this kind of thing makes me think that yeah maybe, maybe there is another hand that touched something like this there's a lot of that stuff hasn't been codified yet like the outline around spider-man's head there feels a little bit like something we're not going to see in once he becomes mcfarlane say it jimmy <laughs> full moon zine in effect <laughs> yeah we're that's getting a hell there, of a moon we? there we're getting there huh we're getting there baby starting to see some of his tricks that's a fun looking four panel page this is a spread fills the most mcfarlane-esque is uh -huh. what we've seen the the webbing for your panel borders something that we would see again and again chains and spawn for panel borders and then here your black panel borders another thing that we would see a lot in mcfarlane uh spider-man and spawn not uh waterproof ink looks like we've got some coffee on this stuff hmm and you can see the two different kinds of inks, like the stuff that uses like carbon and the stuff that is like cheap, non-archival, presumably. Nice action panel, just smashing the face into the wall. Good cartooning. This makes me hope that that Taskmaster uh, splash page is in here, man, where he's like, it's a diss track, dude, because who are the names on the tombstones? Right. All the old Spidey artists. This looks like a McFarlane Spider-Man. Absolutely. Like we're we're there. there. Issue 308, like we're, he's, we're there, dude. We're there. Absolutely. There's Taskmaster there. It must be this issue or next. That's totally a classic McFarlaneism. And he never he never figured out like the nose or anything, but but it looks arachnid. Totally. And this would be one of those put the tracing paper on and draw the face on oh, the absolutely. mask and see what you get because the nose is like up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would work for um like uh Moloch from from uh, Watchmen would be able to wear that mask. Yes. We looked at Ramita Sr., yes. Spider-Man recently, and you can see why those old dudes would just be angry at this. A absolutely. This there's is a lot of such stuff. a different version. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Like, imagine being the colorist on this. Like, I'm not even too sure what I'm looking at. Oh, that's like Central Park. Yeah, that's a pretty good panel. Yeah, but it's not very clear. Like, you, you need the color to make it clearer. And one of the rules of uh, the, the, the old school artist is, like, it has to work in black and white. You see more blacks being spotted too, and I wonder if that's a sign of him getting a little more comfortable with what he's doing. Yeah. This this is the shit that when I was a kid, like, okay, this is manageable. I'm gonna be able to figure out perspective. Cause that really is just a little bit above your sixth grade perspective art class thing. It's that car all over again though. You know, like you just gotta read it as a table. That's all. But this is like pretty that congested grid around Central Park. Yeah, there's smart. a lot in that panel I like. <laughs> Look at what Dave Michelini has him drawn, dude. He just wants to be drawn Doctor Octopus and shit like that. Not not the not the sh shark or whatever the Shrike. He's arrived though. Oh yeah. This is a great panel. Good action stuff. You know, like that whole page is is strong in my opinion, and strong in McFarland style. He 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 saw that that Art Adams was was a the star of the 80s 
But Art Adams could only do a book or two per year, man. So his philosophy was, I ain't going to be as good as Art Adams, but I'm going to put out 22 pages a month. Yeah. And that seemed to be the winning strategy in terms of monetary gain. Like for doing a sort of Art Adams, nobody, who, who are you competing with? Art Adams is only on a stand a couple times a year, so you're in good shape. As long as it's not his month, you're there. So I mentioned, you know, having guys chip in. Yeah. And there's a note already for uh, Terry Fitzgerald doing background assists. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see him uh, marry Wanda in uh, the pages of Spawn. <laughs> I think he works for the CIA. He's the first CIA mole in comics. It, right. it wasn't That's that right. one Batman Raider guy. Yeah, we're totally there at this point. Man, I love all the perspectives of these panels. You mentioned earlier he's good at like doing a Dutch angle. Never do it straight up. It's Spider-Man. Like totally. He's never like on the ground, so always angle that camera around and follow this guy. The cool thing about seeing the, the pencil like, yeah. blue line of the spider web is it acts as a kind of wire frame for the figure. And you see that he's kind of understanding the... The, the volume of the forms that he's putting down. Yeah, and I assume looking at it and deciding, you know what? Don't, Don't need, need to it. draw the webbing on him. Too complex. But if you look at that spider web line, it's just like two lines, like a squiggly and a straight line. Super simple. And you compare it to like 20 pages earlier, like that early go of the uh, intricate webbing. He's figured that out too. Totally. This is absolutely like the kind of stuff where, even as a kid, you could sense that the artist doesn't want to be drawing this. <laughs> You know, like he's not putting, this is all generic clothes. They're boxy. Do you feel like everybody that gave, uh, gives life out a hard time on hands needs to now give McFarlane a hard time on hands? Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Like, wow. Yeah. Whatever this is inked with has is not archival. Not at all. And it looks like it's all one tool uh, using a marker just for, for the blacks there. Uh, it frames our main characters reasonably well, but yeah, it did not age well over time at all and you compare it to this black that's the flattest blackest black ever which makes me think we adjusted levels just to get this amount of to show contrast up. wow because look right. how black yeah, that is yeah totally totally yeah that was a bad batch of ink the tall vertical panels another mcfarlane calling card yeah it feels like he's here in terms of like the collaboration with the writer uh, when you have this hot guy, it makes me appreciate stuff like uh, Grant Morrison on Arkham Asylum or like the, those Kelly Jones ba uh, Batmans, where it's like, this issue, let's have Killer Croc. This issue, let's have Mr. Freeze. This issue, let's have the Scarecrow. Because, like, Michelini, we don't give a fuck about this guy. Hey, note on uh, the Kelly Jones Batman, the Mr. Freeze that we thought was badass, and we were like, let's see a Kelly Jones Mr. Freeze, and it shows up. He just posted on Twitter sketches of Mr. Freeze that he had to show to Denny O'Neill because yeah. O'Neill didn't like Mr. Freeze. You can find that stuff on, on uh, Kelly Jones' uh, Facebook also, and it has great commentary, uh, great comments from uh, from Greg Wright, who was the colorist on that, on that issue. And when he added his two cents, he told Denny, Denny, like, when I color this, I'm using available lighting. Like, uh, some of the characters the color on their costume might look a little different because if there's like flames or something in this in the scene i have to color it accordingly it's not going to be just a coloring book cool. this is the gray for batman's chest you know this is the look at how wonky that spider-man figure is it gets the job done you know like i'm not confused at all what i'm seeing but that is a wild figure grab it <laughs> grab it jimmy <laughs> explain explain what you're saying man oh boy explain it to the people Let's see if this is thick enough. Yeah, I'll might, get a Sharpie. Might need one a little bigger. Man, that's my work. Let me get a Sharpie, dude, because it's a thin line. 
Yeah, hopefully this doesn't bleed through under your artist edition. No, no, it won't. <laughs> I, I, that's just, trace of paper is real strong. Yeah, so I say like just go over the contour of the uh, musculature to to sell the people on what we're looking at. And I compliment you on not just instinctively fixing it. It's just it's it's not. It's not that it's bad, but I mean, this is not anatomically correct and it doesn't really need to be. You just need to read what you're seeing and it works that way. Yeah. It's, it's a, a big part of it though. Like I think is, um, it's really like there's this cause, cause like it's, it's a little a, flat. It's a very skinny neck. Yeah. Put that one in too. Yeah. Like this issue. Cause how would you fix it? Like this would be the shoulder here and then the lat would be it almost works yeah but it's like he has like an atrophied arm right is what, what i would really point out there and say it's it's kind of wrong and it doesn't bother me it's just this idea of like you're putting out a monthly comic and you need this to read a spider-man in the foreground and it does i'm saying this works well because of function but the anatomy isn't sound no and that's what i want to point out to people is just this idea that like you can criticize every cartoonist bends anatomy sure to fit these weird shaped panels like you have to and that's often the thing that people criticize and it's like that's just not a thing to criticize if anything it's almost resourceful that your cartoonist is able to do that keep the keep the trace of paper handy because because there might be one or two to criticize just for uh, the it's, fun it's of close it. by look at the intricacy of that background yeah that's got to be like I assume he finds a reference for that in mostly light boxes, right? Because right. that's pretty complex, and you've got perspective going on there. Yeah. And doing arches in perspective, very, very hard. Pretty hard. Uh, the cool thing is the way McFarland's approaching it. It's not like these, like, like a lot of the cartoons that you see out now, that like they're clearly tracing like a um, Google SketchUp. And when they imposed figures like from programs and stuff and when they integrate it as a whole page very static this is his hand all over it add your bullshit lines like that's mm -hmm. the big lesson that i get from uh, the inyo asano man ben episodes where he's using legitimate like straight up photographs that he took but he's spending two three hours per image to just make it feel a little more chaotic than than real life Look at this. I mean, this guy should be a criminal. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's sticking up his hairdresser. That's not Ben Franklin time traveling. <laughs> Dude, McFarlane's gotten really good. By this point, I feel like is these pages they're really strong. They get, read. They're clear. They're interesting. He's been doing monthly comics for several years at this point, man. Like had a, that run on Infinity Inc. He had some Hulk stuff. Do twenty-two pages a month for a couple of years. You're gonna get good pretty quick. Is this all Rick Parker? Let's, and I know Rick Parker watches. I'm curious to hear because that is almost McFarlane lines. Yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting because like when you see these lines, it, they're a little bit more chaotic. Rick Parker chimed in whenever I showed this off, and he didn't get a comp copy. So you guys got oh, IDW. You got to make you got to make good on that. Give the man a copy. goddammit. it. Wow, that's berserk. Yeah, shades of that Michael Golden. Hulk versus Spider-Man issue, like another influence on McFarland for sure, and you see it here. This is another one where if Rick Parker's going to weigh in, like, is he doing all the sound effects and everything? I'm very curious. Yeah. Ooh, we're going from mood. <laughs> we're going from melodrama. This is a domestic scene with our guys. A lot of black on that page. Bringing the ink. Violator. 
He's showing Interesting. up. Interesting. Looks like the violator to me. <laughs> or uh, it's one of the brothers. Oh, there you go. Don't want to infringe on any trademarks. Norman Osborn with that pubic hair on top of his head, man. Not only that, but pulling the mask on. So you get a little bit of the distortion of the face going on. Yeah, that almost like excuses you for squeezing <laughs> the face in that way. Those, those skinny panels like that are just impossible. Stuff rarely lines up like a close-up of a face or a head in those panels, and McFarlane always stretches that face to fit. Classic image pose. Yeah, it truly is. And just looking at it as a piece of black and white art, like if you made this black and you add a little darker to that hair, like that would balance the page so much better. Like leaving all that white, just, it's, it's so open. This is neat. The building is almost the speed lines for him leaping. Yeah. And it's certainly all directional devices pointing toward, toward our guy. Mm -hmm. And look at how busy it gets with the webs and that background stuff. Otomo was certainly an influence on him. We're going to see perhaps some Otomo backgrounds pasted up in here. I hope so. That would be a cool piece. I think we're past the Taskmaster splash page, unfortunately. When, he, when there's two signatures for McFarland, do you think that this hand, this, this, this piece of art exchanges hands a couple of times and each guy who owns it wants, wants a fresh signature. I never thought of that. Yeah, that, that would make sense. It doesn't right? happen often. Good body language here. But he would just, he would do this where he would just kind of fudge, you know, your domestic characters, your people in just regular garb. Mm -hmm. Just these boxy. Yeah, a lot of this line work was just strange on like uh, civilian clothes. I think there was like a little pace up that fell off. Yeah, it must be. Although that reads clear. The, the yeah, front, front of, of the, the exclusive, exclusive uh, condominium residencies. Although that doesn't, yeah, that must, something's wrong there. Condominium's cut up. Yeah. Do you think the colorist would get this and just curse him? <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? And certainly the separators, the poor bastards who have to cut out a certain color. I, I bet you you get yellow in the background and it's okay if it goes over the This would be a good webs. artist edition to have your original issues next to it. Totally. Another example playing with a bunch of different inks. Yeah, it looks like um, he'll give duo you a, shade. He'll give you a solid black mm -hmm. to, a, to a point and then use his cheap materials. All of his figures have that like club club finger. Yeah, they're big fat fingers. Look, this ink is so weird because it halfway through the stroke turns into the black ink on the hair right there. Yeah. What the heck's going on there? I do think it's two tools. Yeah, I definitely think that it's that we're looking at two different tools. It's bizarre here. that there's a seam that there's a like a like a seam in the middle of the strokes. Mm -hmm. And then you see like all the minor lines that he's doing individual like hairs on the eyebrows with. Yeah. That's pretty strange looking. Same with the floor, you can see he drew those. I bet if you have the original issue, that floor tile is all there. Right. But you can see it's faded. Like one of the materials used is non-archival, like even on the edges of the doorway. That's the part that's strange is like halfway through, he switches markers or something. Yeah. There's, a, there's intuitive stuff that happens uh, when, you, when you're putting a page of comics together, like stuff that I don't think he planned, like directional devices of like the smoke pointing towards our J. Jonah Jameson. I, th I, I don't think he's that guy that much. I think the 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 extent of his like design in a lot of ways is like give me a close-up give me a mid shot give me a you know a, a, a long shot and like maybe an establishing shot if you're lucky and then figure out a cool way to 
put them there, but you see them all on the page right here. Back three-quarter view, not easy. I've seen a couple of those. Some turned a little bit more earlier. Made me think of Neil Adams, if that's like a, a shot that everybody copies Neil Adams from. Right. Venom starting to look a little more venomous. So heavy looking, right? Mm. Like like just like a boxy, solid figure. That arm, baby. Hydro man. Look at his haircut. McFarlane had that haircut. It's good stuff. He used moose and stuff. That's a nice pose for a Spider-Man. I was thinking about this one is pretty yeah. hard. When I when I look at this and I see a lot of penmanship, like a lot of marker, uh, I'm thinking of um, Terry Austin. Mm. You know, he'll cite Terry Austin as an influence. And certainly this is like, he, you know, he's going at George Perez and John Byrne on a page like this. Yeah, anybody that's doing a, a lot of the fine line detail, I think that all goes back to Terry Austin. Yeah. And there then may a be good some additions in between, but but I feel like that's where that that style became popular. You get your Dutch angles, and then when he sol solidly sticks the landing, stability. Yeah, your Marvel superhero pose. Every see every From Marvel the movies, trailer, right? Yeah. Look at this hayseed. He doesn't have. He doesn't stand a chance against Venom, Jimmy. <laughs> no, that's a pretty inventive pile of junkyard scraps, and he is drawing all your fences. Give us that assistant credit. <laughs> <laughs> High contrast photo. A little bit of ink put on top. Yeah. He is pasted up. Mm -hmm. You can see the webs. And uh, in between, like on the paste-ups, you do see ink. Yeah. Always got to draw a little bit on the paste-up. Yeah. That's how you really hide that paste-up part. That's good stuff. You can almost imagine him going in this direction. Sure. And and it's very manga esque. Speaking of any, speaking of Inio Asano, like he basically does a digital version of this, where he takes photos, takes it into Photoshop, hits it with the threshold, so that just the darkest shadows yep. show up, and then he goes in with a with the ink pen, finishes it up, integrates the characters into the piece a little bit better. I love seeing this. To me, it's so experimental. Yeah, because you do have your far extremes. Like, I would say that, like, uh, a lot of those Ryo Ichi Ikigami um, comics, like Sanctuary, will have this divorce between, like, the limousines and the characters. And you could tell that there's several hands on it. And if you could figure out a way to just make it a holistic thing, like Wally Wood, like Neil Adams, that's, that's when you really got a good piece of comic art. Yeah, looking at this stuff, reading interviews, hearing people talk about it, Wally Wood's a guy that I think of more and more with this. Yeah. With with uh, taking a reference and making it his with his marks. Mm-hmm. Man, this would always. This is what I could never figure out how to do. Like, how do you put a thousand lines on someone's face? As we as we get closer to adjective lists, we're going to see a lot of close up uh, of hands and things. And and he's he doesn't have it figured out here exactly. That's really muddy, but he 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 comes up with his his language for that it could never i never absorbed it nice askew little panel really sells you on the chaos of the moment really does make spider-man his own you can see how this left a mark on spider-man not just in sales but you know at this point like he's doing spider-man stuff that nobody else did to spider-man and like he's doing it consistently and for a few years and they have to adopt it mark bagley has to fucking start drawing big eyes on uh, his spidey might be helped along by the fact that like uh, Eric Larson kept kept that up. 
Yeah, I used to read, you know, that's the time I'm reading all the interviews I could find with everybody. And it was interesting to see, like, Larson talk about that stuff. Like, what he had to keep, but also what he brought himself. Because... Was he instructed to keep the big eyes? I don't know that he was instructed to. I, I, I don't... I don't remember him spelling it out that way. But it was more of just, like, this is what Spider-Man looks like now. Yeah. So you keep the big eyes, because that's almost, like, costume piece. Mm -hmm. But then you draw figures the way Eric Larson draws figures. Yeah, yeah. And and good example of, like, almost completely black... Spider-Man. We talked about it where he's trying to figure out the lighting and and the way it was done before was he was more blue and th there would be some darkness on the underplanes, but that's predominantly black. Look at that, dude. We're getting the unhinged mandible jaw a little mm -hmm. bit starting to show up. I don't think he ever I didn't think he ever did that, but clearly he did. Doesn't have that, uh, the, the Gene Simmons tongue yet. This is the, your classic McFarlane I associate as like the McFarlane building. Totally. Because it's also like that, that whole, you know, the Chaikin imagery with storytelling value stuff just throw it in there great weight uh, on this figure actually man like broken clock is right two times a day kind of thing and that feels like it's well balanced of a figure and there's a panel set up yeah and so like this figure's breaking it i just saw a friend of the show michelle fife talk about breaking panels uh, right. one for story effect and one because it looks cool yeah and i feel like you're getting the looks cool version here I, I think you almost only get the looks cool with the exception of like stuff like this makes a lot of sense for storytelling's sake yeah that's when i would always see it as a fight kind of thing an action moment you want somebody to break out of that panel big heavy borders the variation is a good uh, another one of those takeaways for me and that like you're just trying to keep the page looking interesting true and at least we're finally getting to some A-list villainy, you know? Like, I feel like McFarlane, after 18 issues uh, into the 300s, I think he started in, like, 298 uh, or something, uh, finally getting to exert a little bit of uh, his own editorialism. But it only goes so far because it is the Scorpion. It's not, like, Electro or somebody. I wonder if that was a big part of when he, he went off to do Spider-Man. Yeah, he would always talk about that in interviews. Better quality to it. It does seem like you're blowing it if you're the writer and you're not corresponding with your artist, especially somebody who's got a stamp now on the character. Right. Is to be like, what do you want to draw? Who do you L want to draw? A lot of ego, man. A lot of ego in uh, comics making. That's a funny looking rhino. <laughs> it almost looks like this is part of Spidey's bod. If that's even Spidey. I don't know what that is. Oh, no, is that Scorpion? Scorpion? Yeah, there's some stuff that gets lost a little bit there. Classic McFarlane boxy trucks. Yeah, compared to that first splash page. A Jim Lee-esque, just squeeze the characters into the fucking page as they exit as they exit stage left. Ooh, we got some paste-up lettering, dude. With straight-up uh, typewriter. Weird to see a close-up of Spider-Man's fingers like that. Really get a look at what, that web, what the print on his gloves is. And imagine that hand by the time he's doing it, adjectiveless Spider-Man. Like, there'd be so many more lines scribbled across that thing. See, this is where that line thing kind of starts to break apart. Like, on this chick. You see what he's doing? It's supposed to be the shine of the leotard. I actually something. think that, that that works all right for me. Mm -hmm. I don't read that as a bare skin. Right. So, mission accomplished. You know, you can see the contrast between an arm versus, yeah. like, the... I don't know what that material is. Lycra? Spandex. Yeah. There he is. Dude, I totally remember buying these issues off the fucking stands, man. This is my time. Yeah. This is, uh... It's that, like, six-parter, right? Yeah. What's what, it called? 
assassination plot or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the Captain America that has the Crispin Wall arms. There's a there's a saber tooth cover, but it's Paladin as uh, <laughs> or as I called him, Paladin. Yeah, I mispronounced his name for twenty years. I might still be doing it. <laughs> Have gun, will travel. I think would be his uh, tagline on one of those covers. <laughs> Yeah, that's another what one of goof, those characters. How goofy does he look now with his like sunglasses and He looked goofy back then. Fair. And it was purples. McFarland had to do some heavy lifting to make that book cool. Cause like this Silver Sable You're shit was totally was trash. Right. Looking back through here and seeing who these other characters are. Wow, no wonder that book was in trouble. And that was always the formula. Like whenever Grant Morrison takes over JLA, it's like bring Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman back to the team. Yeah. Same with Avengers. When it's time to make the Avengers good again, it's like bring Captain America and Iron Man and Thor on the team. These these like B and C listers. Why? <laughs> right. And then don't be surprised whenever your cells aren't what, what you want them to be. And even back in the old days, there, like, there would be the formula for like it re integrating the villains into, into the mix. You know, you do a, a Joker book a year, you do a penguin book a year maybe you have them on every cover or something but they had a system look at the size of the a on captain america's head <laughs> <laughs> we're getting your lines yeah dude. you are look at the rubber stamp <laughs> took him a goddamn hour and a half to do the rubber stamp jimmy hilarious circle not in perspective pretty energetic stamp yeah i was right gonna there. say that's, that's manga-ish yep yep Got to get some impact on that stamp. Got a back three quarter on that eye. Just extreme close ups. Got to have an extreme close up. <laughs> this would be one to trace off with the top <laughs> of the headpiece of the eye. Like, like you are getting zippy. Yeah, zippy in a Captain it, America outfit. That's basically the middle. You can see from the A. That's actually past the middle, which means that next eye starts like right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and 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 it's in the middle of the head, so you could trace that off, and then like the bottom of the head comes right about here. Yeah, that that would be a good one. That is zippy. Here's our issue, dude. We did a we did a full uh, video on this issue alone. This is the last Amazing Spider-Man from McFarlane, and of course, the cover of this one is your uh, was it five five hundred seventy-five thousand? Yeah. Amazing. Cool to see him come back though and do a Hulk little sign off on the Hulk. When he when he when he, I noticed when he did Hulk, like that shit was on the racks, man, and this was such an odd approach his hulk he did the uh the marvel universe illustration for the hulk uh -huh. in, marvel, in the marvel universe book and it was like this super giant because he was crouching and it filled up like you know the half the page that's fun but he was wider than he was tall and i would copy that hulk drawing that made a big impression this was a big issue for me yeah his ability to make these figures feel big on the page giant strength you know like like that spider-man by just bunching him up a little bit you end up with this character that like if he stood up he's bigger than the whole page sure that came across that was a that was a great technique in an earlier ish when we were looking at that you know tracing off the wonky spider-man and and there was a kayfabe back muscles he's figured that out more here there's more volume there's more contour a little krigstein uh motion <laughs> tire motion there and a little Otomo with the lights. Think he's ever heard of uh, Krigstein? <laughs> See, there's a great example of those super busy building backgrounds. You put a little bit of color on that and reduce it in size, and that is just like the busiest, coolest cityscape background. Yeah. And there's not much there, you know. It's it's a formula that he figured out more than anything else. Yeah, and but he got it adopted. Well. 
got adopted by a generation. All those studio guys that that worked for Jim Lee and uh, Rob Liefeld, they all picked that up. Very effective. Mignola-ish, mm -hmm. this piece right here. Yeah, he's real good at all this stuff, but look at the tangent on the ripped fabric and the With curvature the of the earth. Yeah. All right, dude, adjective list time. And you see the reason why the, the, uh, the book is so big is it captures the full bleed of the art paper he was using at the time. And you could see that this is the trim for the final book. You have all the copy in here just in case things slip. But if you want to take it to full bleeds, you got to take it uh, to the edges. It's about an extra uh, inch on both sides. So it's about a uh, 12 by 18 piece of paper. These are crazy. I'm, here's why I say that. I don't remember seeing other original art this size, like Marvel Comics mm -hmm. art. And I mean, we go to these shows where it's like just hundreds of books of original art. I, I, I've never seen this size for a Marvel page. Sure. That's a really good trick too for having that extra level of detail, being able to work an extra 20% larger. Yeah. You notice he does keep most of the stuff inside though. I love the pages that aren't just tight along your your uh, live area. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the stuff that Bissette was talking about, about like fuck the grid. Like if you just do that, it adds a little air to, to your page. And I, th I think you should try to do that whenever possible. Uh, on your comics, you know, just trim a little bit and it just, it really does add some visual excitement to, to the, to the piece. Man, the amount of, uh, lines that he's putting on these pages. I, he's going for it. You yeah, know? Totally. Like, like he's 100%. really, he's really showing up and he's trying to fucking kill it. Boy, these are almost photocopied. The blacks are so black. Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell, cause like that blue that this would be reproducible blue if it was uh that that dark on the on the page so somebody's certainly hitting levels like seeing him try some uh different texture like for the print they show up well in the in the issues yeah man these comics are like that hot spot for me of buying off the newsstand and just reading these things to pieces absolutely and the, uh, the bloom starting to come off the rose where it's like, yeah, not a lot of story here. <laughs> Fun to look at these pictures, but. I would, I would uh, read these every weekend. Uh, like Friday at school, I would always just like be so excited to get home and just like read my two stacks of comics over and over and over again. The X-Force issues would be caught up in that. Funny to see a nine panel grid and then you break it on your last panel great pages he does good stuff like when he brings in these characters he, he makes these characters his own you've never seen calypso so cool no and all silhouettes of these like different size figures works works great when he does chaos i forgot the level of chaos that he reaches yeah i mean like almost indecipherable in black and white yeah good luck coloring it huh there's your broken glass this might have been the issue he colored he colored one of these maybe issue I think it was issue three or four. Yeah, man, crazy. And it's lettered on the page, which I guess means he's sending these to uh, the letterer as pencils. Yeah. Yeah, putting FedEx to use back in those days, man. Look at that Ghost Rider. Again, make it as big as your canvas will allow. You know, it's like Ghost Rider, two pages, and maybe a little bit bigger than that if you if you drew it all out. And uh, abiding by the, the copy areas, mm -hmm. 
Rick Parker has to spread the lettering out a little bit. I can't stress enough how important that is, that scale. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because I would read this stuff and it was like it had an impact. It was way greater than your average comic book that I was picking up at the time. And this is why. It's so goth. <laughs> it's something. That's a pretty classic image of Spider-Man. Oh, I feel like we've seen that quite a bit. We're going to see it one more time at the end of this book. That looks a little dashed. That's some strange inking. Like all that, all mm -hmm. that stuff. Got to get that page in. He's got the flu that day. <laughs> Wendigo had the curlers in that day. <laughs> he knew he was going to be on camera for his latest issue of Marvel Comics. This is a pretty fun composition, leaving the sky between the buildings open. Give you that black and white contrast. And and also just a little bit of fucking room to breathe, man, because we've been seeing some very, very congested imagery. Yeah, I'll say. Speaking of contrast, like look at a beset tyrant or swamp thing to see contrast in like how you approach vegetation. Yeah. Oh man, that's a great that's fun. The ship blows my mind. You know, like seeing something like that. That's fun. It is. I just can't argue with that. He doesn't do it often, man, but doing some shadow on the red is very effective. Mike Zek comes to mind. Yeah, you don't see a ton of that, uh, not just in McFarlane, but almost anybody. And when you get a little bit of the shadowy Spider-Man face, I, I almost always think it looks good. That almost red is an ear, and I was thinking <laughs> of the yellow kid wearing a Spider-Man outfit. He gets more complex with his donuts in uh, Spawn comics when Sam and Twitch are on on the docket. You'll see uh, you'll see that in some of our Spawn content, and there's your Felix. Yeah, I was gonna say there's there he is too. I haven't been looking for Felix as much as I should have. We probably missed a couple. Yeah, it's unfair. Here's your paste up. I always wonder how people do the newspapers. Me too. Like, like anytime I have to do one, I'm always like, man, this is way harder than it should be. And then, like, are you uh, throwing some business your friend's way or something? <laughs> That'd be great if you were. Yeah, is it on a million seller. Lo a local real estate market in, uh, in, in Arizona. You're getting calls. <laughs> this is such a weird treatment. It is. It, it, I mean, it just doesn't work for me. We probably called it out when we were looking at that issue. Because it just, even, it, like, it just feels like it should be black. Every part where there's lines, if you make it black, it's as strong as this. Like, this is solid to me. Yeah, I don't know if it would work with that bottom panel if you'd have to get rid of the trees in the background or something if you made him black in the foreground. Yeah. I like it, though. It's a problem that you're trying to solve. I don't know if that's, you know, that I'd go that way, but it's fun to see him, like, with stuff that's not resolved, like trying to figure it out on the page. Yeah. This would be one to like draw your draw the foot that is in those boots on your tracing paper. Yeah, those are uh, those are almost turtle toes. Yeah, in the middle. Like I'm not seeing five toes on that the, foot. This is the two middle joints. You got, <laughs> and then the rest are your pinky toes. Yeah, he's missing a few toes under that boot. <laughs> See, that looks like a different hand. You know what, man? This is that issue. This is that fill-in issue of it different is. inkers, right? Yeah, look at that, dude. Totally. Is this is this it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally remember looking at this here. And I mean, that's this is Scott Williams or Jim Lee or somebody. Because like the hair and stuff on here, that's not McFarlane-esque. Look at that top one too. I kind of like the inks on the top panel. Yeah, look at look at how they interpret the booties there, dude. With like <laughs> like a little extra space at the top. Here's a Rob Liefeld ink page. Oh yeah, you can see. Look, Rob Liefeld signature. Back down on size. Another Rob. You see the sig? Doing the 11 by 17s. Look at how Rob Liefeld approaches the trees. This is kind of neat because you get the McFarland trees on that previous page. Yeah. 
Look at the th thick line. Mm -hmm. And it's so wobbly. Like, like he's got a, a good line at this era to me. To you and the funny pages, director. <laughs> right. <a> gold standard. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Williams here on the inks and the signature. Tipping that off. It's great to see, like, the different inker compared to, like, the McFarlane inks. Yeah. And to me, McFarlane would have been your gold standard inker of the time. Mm -hmm. And Scott Williams probably number two. And, and depending on who you ask, I bet that, that order would be reversed with a lot of people. Yeah, sure. How much is this page worth? Oh, yeah, right. Like the double money shot. Even with the black border around, it looks like it was made to be a, a piece to sell. <laughs> Jeez. Look at those glutes, man. Activated glutes. Yoga with Adrian. Some dry brush around the edge of the shadow. Yeah, yeah, we got Rick Magyar on uh, okay. on helping out with the inks, so I would have to imagine that that's a Magyar contribution. I think there's a lot of his marks on this page. Like some of these Look forearm these inks are different. Some of the hatching and the windowsill and around here. Are different. Look at this. Yeah, that that ain't that ain't McFarland. We we've seen what, what McFarland does. You know, this ain't McFarland. Wow, it's very far off. All none of this, this this hatching. Yeah, yeah none the of this shadows is here with the really tight mortar. Makes you appreciate it. Look how, how much uh, Magyar flattens them out here. He does. Although there's stuff I like. I like the dry brush, like some of the almost wet, shiny black parts of the costume. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the nose. That's a knuckle. <laughs> almost has a finer line that he's using in this hatching. Yeah, he does. Yeah, all this. This might be my foreland. This is dope. Hitting it with the white. Yeah, that's a nice page. That goes back to what I was saying about not doing, not adhering to the grid or having different panel borders. It's just how do you make each page interesting? That white's a good touch. Never really see McFarlane do much spatter. Mm -mm. Uses a couple, couple places here. Got to use it here because you're going into this uh, grim, gritty underground story. Yeah, I mean that Morbius series is a function of Morbius's appearance in the Spider-Man comic, right? Gotta be. Nobody was checking for, for Morbius. I think it's a function of Ghost Rider, because that's when they were blowing out like, oh, Ghost Rider's popular, let's do six books. Morbius, that was that Ron Wagner art. Yeah. And some of that art's pretty good. Oh, it's all solid. And it's funny to see McFarlane go back to the black costume. Right. Capping off the run. Wonder at this point if he knew, like, okay, I'm about done. I'm going to do, like, two more issues. Just looking for that out. Yeah, you think he had given his notice? Like, was he... Uh... Did he know he was done at this point? He's doing a year's worth, right? And he and he's the clear seller. He was talking about how like he was doing everything right. He was making this thing a seller, and then editorial starts to come back in. They created a vehicle for him to do whatever he wanted, and he did what he wanted, and he made it successful. And then they're gonna start telling him what to do and things. Can't be too violent. Can't stab Juggernaut in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if that page is in here. It looks like a spawn page, doesn't it? Totally. 100%. But you see glimpses of that a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Malbosia. Do you feel like he gets to a point where he just plateaus as a stylist, and then it's just like it's McFarlane? Yeah, sure. And it's partway through this. Sure. Because is he bringing anything new in spawn? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that first Vault edition is like, that's the primo McFarlane stuff in spawn, and then that back half is kind of... But from a stylistic standpoint, I don't know that there's too much evolution going on there. This is an interesting approach because now, like we've we've caught up, like you said, to Todd McFarlane of 
you know, modern day or whatever. And then we take, let's take it back to 86 and start it over again. So like buying these off the rack and realizing that like, I have the first appearance of Chance and Silver Sable and Venom. And they were selling, selling you, uh, you were perfect for them. I believed it. But I was, I was primed even before that because I, I, I bought the first appearance of Puma by uh, Ron Friends Spider-Man, like before the, before McFarlane got in the mix. There's your high res photos. Yeah. Early, pretty early use for them. Yeah, for sure. And on a cover. That's bold. How many times did he redo this in his homages to himself? How many times has everybody redone that? That's got to be one of the most homaged covers. Pretty cool I for love the this drawing. You know, like the distorted reflection of Spider-Man, it's so cool to see him going for it that way. Yeah. He would always draw in these, too, mm -hmm. which I, I commend him for that. This was stuff I, all, I bought all after the fact. Because uh -huh. I, I come in buying this, and it's in that assassination plot time yeah. period. Right. So, like, to get these, it was they were all back issues I had this me. one off the rack. Hydro Man. Is that Hydro Man's first <laughs> appearance? I don't know. <laughs> Look at this dude for Glenn. Could that be Glenn Danzig? That feels like a very uh, smart, well-done cover. Mm -hmm. It's a good Venom. There's your joint. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Worth about a neighborhood streets full of Pittsburgh houses. One of my big regrets from childhood is I, I redrew that. Oh, that And I, I just don't have it anymore. And it'd be so much fun to show it off because imagine what a piece of crap that thing is now. <laughs> I don't see any sig... Well, I guess there is a signature there. I wonder if the signature means it came... You know, somebody else possesses it. Because at a certain point, he doesn't sell any spawn work. He has all of that himself. This is the one. Give me that tracing paper, man. <laughs> is this the one that gets us kicked off of uh, YouTube? No, no, no. I'm not going to go there with the doggy style. This is a classy affair. You know what this is? Is that um, Remember that controversial cover of, I think it was Spider Woman, maybe? Yeah. And then like everybody was drawing them. <laughs> it feels like this is that exact pose. It is. <laughs> this, is the, this is the joint right here. This yeah. is the one that makes the old timers fucking livid. This. See, they don't understand how flexible Spider-Man is. It's part of the spider powers. <laughs> so when you look at that, like let's say the shit, like there's a light source up here, the shadow for this leg would be about here, <laughs> right? Amazing, yeah. So in space, like that's where the leg is, and it and. Yeah, I just don't know how to make that right. But that's yeah. like, it's like you could, he could do Indian style backwards. You gotta admire Spider-Man's flexibility. <laughs> double jointed and stuff. Did you remember that great Roy Thomas issue where they explain how double jointed he is? No, I don't know that one. <laughs> oh shit, are we going to get that, like that X-Men cover and stuff? You know, this is playing the hits, man. We, I think we looked at all I would of buy these. these. I used to buy the Marvel Ages pour yeah. over those yeah this would have been in my wheelhouse we've seen all of this in like the marvel covers i used to buy these dumb things too man yeah this would be uh packaged i would go to uh, billa waltz and they would have 10 packs for five bucks and it would uh include a lot of this marvel classic marvel tales stuff amazing to think this is the guy like this is the most popular comic book artist of the early 90s yeah and i know people will say x-men outsold it 
But I mean, like, X-Men was a whole system. Yeah. There was a lot of parts involved in that. Yeah. This was the dude. Like, he's penciling and inking himself. He's writing himself. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And you could compare it to the other uh, Spider-Man titles. You can also compare it once they go to Image, who's selling what. Yeah. Image, certainly perfect name for that company, given uh, what they brought to the table. This looks familiar. Yeah, right? Where have I seen this one? <laughs> Yeah, this is one, like, when, whenever I was doing my version, and I know you did a version inside mm -hmm. the issue. Uh, so when you start with it and you really study this, you have to kayfabe a lot of stuff to get it to work. Yeah. You know, you increase this so that you got the thicker claws so that you can actually draw something in there. Uh, the shoulder stuff is pretty, because, like, there's no, like, this is the breast, this is the pack, and, like, the bicep, there's like no easy way to basically the collarbone has to come here so that the arm can come there it just i always used to think it'd be a really fun thing to do like for uh like comics in a gallery kind of thing yeah where you would take the cover and you would put that on the wall and then you would draw the full figure around it because there are a lot of these <laughs> covers that are just a piece right and they are distorted it'd be funny to see where things line up if you had a whole figure there also when you would go to like century three mall in like the middle pagoda where the airbrush dudes mm -hmm. were this shit was airbrushed on shirts and jackets and that was like an essential piece of the portfolio of the century three mall airbrush guy and i wonder if there's some ubiquitous thing to that like if other people would corroborate that uh and as time went on like mcfarland became so copied from like the uh airbrush dudes i remember um the overt kill cover was on uh a, 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 like a, the back of a leather jacket and I wanted that thing so bad. I would just stare at it. Every time I went to the mall, I would, like, visit it. This is that short list of uh, all-time Marvel covers. Yeah. McFarlane's got probably four, five, six really iconic covers. Mm -hmm. And this is another one, like, um, bring out your other contenders for these top artist spots and see what they have. Yeah. Because I don't know that other too many other contemporaries of him have that kind of iconic cover idea. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. Why check on the inks on this one? It's interesting because, like, I feel like McFarlane was inking like this at that time. I could have easily see, like, mistake that for just full, full McFarlane. Yeah, I think Wycheck was inking a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Hulk work of his. Although I think that issue is actually McFarlane inks. Yeah, sure. no, it totally is. Yeah, yeah. Thirty issue run of uh, Amazing Spider-Man with Michelini before he even starts his adjective list stuff. Pretty good run. Yeah. All right, man. Let's see how we, uh, we end it. That's a great end page. You talk about your big, uh, damn. You know, using the canvas. That's really sharp. If he stood up, he'd be the size of my niece. Yeah, yeah. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be really weird. He'd be standing here like <laughs> close to our height. <laughs> it looks great that large. Not you can really study some of those lines. Not disappointed at all, man. Very happy with this McFarlane artist. The, the second it was available for pre-order, I, I put in my loot for this thing man and I'm very happy with the purchase they, they did right great end pages always inspires me to get back to the drawing board man what do you say Jimmy yeah I got nothing else what's your back cover anything back there going Mignola a little bit Mignola yeah, from that time that period from okay Fibbers like follow subscribe to the YouTube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available Jimmy what do you got out there man 
Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness. Uh, comic books are in stores now. The collected oversized treasury edition will be in stores first of next year. You can pre-order that now wherever you get your comics or books. Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live is back in print from Image Comics. Excited to have that back on the shelves after almost a year uh, being unable to get that. Eight complete full-color stories. So pick that one up for anybody that likes superheroes in your life, including you. And uh, join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my art and comics in progress. Red Room, the Antisocial Network, and Red Room Trigger Warnings. Uh, trade paperbacks are in stores as we speak. Each collect four issues of Red Room Comics, and each issue is self-contained, making each book self-contained. So give any one of these a shot. Uh, I appreciate everybody who is giving them a shot because they are rising up in those Amazon ranks, which I appreciate a, a, in a big way. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. I am currently serializing more Red Room Comics on my uh, Patreon Three bucks get you the archive there. You get access to all this material plus comics that will not come out until uh, 2023 in paper form. Hit up my link tree. You'll be able to get uh, access to all that stuff. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, fanny packs, and more at our spread shop link below this video. It's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Give those marching orders, man. We'll be on our way. Make more comics.